Welcome to Living Word Bible Church, a lovely place for families where we have a passion to sing great songs to Jesus and where sound Bible teaching is central in home groups and in preaching at Sunday services. Living Word Bible Church, teaching the Bible verse by verse. sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. Then he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Indeed, thank you, Patty. God bless you. It's lovely. So we're on the final chapter of Jonah. Just as we apply Jonah, because it's, the field of application is so narrow, it's about his disgust of the Ninevites getting saved. I'm going to, we'll be broadening the application. You know, 
you know, it's, it's still linked to that, but, but generally we're going to broaden it. Otherwise, there are many of us here who, are, who would hate the fact of somebody coming to faith today. Is there? So we'll be broadening the application just so it's more relevant to us. Let me begin then. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, born 1906, died 1945. Makes him just 39. He was an incredible theologian, pastor, lecturer, a teacher. He taught, he taught a group of students. He had an incredible future. I engaged, I read his book uh, quite recently. It's, there's a, there's a, lot, lot of, a lot of details about his life, and you end up falling in love with this man and all that he's doing for Jesus. And then the war breaks out. And, and all of a sudden, uh, he's on the back foot. Opportunities are closing. And, and you wonder you know, how he's going to get through this, because the Germany needs him. And before, before long, he gets involved in a resistance and try and put an end to this despot who's in power. You know, I don't know if you're aware, there were 42 attempts on Hitler's life. 42. He survived them all. There wasn't a single attempt on his life that succeeded. In the end, you know, whether we agree with it or not, but Bonhoeffer was involved in Valkyrie. You may have seen the movie. But as a, as a result of that failing, Bonhoeffer was arrested in 1943. Spent almost two years as a prisoner under the Gestapo. And what Hitler, the despot, went around roaming, raging, and destroying everything and everyone, Bonhoeffer, the man of God, was in prison on the final in 1945, before Hitler, when Hitler knew his end maybe near had him assassinated. You know, I, I sobbed when I read that, at those words in that book. Because Germany needed him. We needed him. He was an incredible theologian. Why would God allow a man like that that the world needs, that he needs, to have his life snuffed out like that? And was Hitler, the brute of a man, if you can call him a man, Rome scoffery causing havoc? With, absolutely, with no attempt on his life having any success. Ever felt angry with God? Let's look at John. Jesus said, the one to three. Mad with God. Okay. That's where we're going today. Mad with God. First one, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. And look, it's no, it's no exaggeration to say that the outcome of this scenario that Jonah finds himself in is the sum of all his fears. Okay, translators say that you could have very easily translated the Hebrew here like this: "This is a disaster for Jonah." 
is Jonah's world turning upside down? This is the worst possible outcome you could possibly imagine. And Jonah, who, rather like Peter, unlike me, me obviously, can't quite keep his emotions in, can he? He can't quite contain them. Okay? You know, Peter was like that. Here's Jonah. He can't quite keep them in. And he is fuming. Seriously. He's, uh, again, we're told that the English doesn't, doesn't give us the force. He is mad. Absolutely mad. And, and, and what, what's particularly warning him up is because he knew this is exactly what would happen before he left his home in where they lived, Gathpeta. He knew exactly what would happen. It's why he ran the first time. He knew precisely what God is like and precisely what God would do. And he ran the other way. He's finally back. That was exactly what John feared. He was the very first thing that John ran from him for. He is mad. What's surprising though? Okay, he's mad. Look, we all get a bit mad. What's surprising though is the direct object of his wrath. That's the surprising bit here. We can, we can get used to people being mad. You know, you stamp on my toe, I'll be mad with you, Charlie. You and I'm getting mad with you. You know, okay. But the, the thing here is, is the object of Jonah's madness. Listen to this, verse 2. So we prayed to the Lord and said, Our Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? We just looked at that, haven't we? Therefore I fled to Tarshish. So he's not happy with God. John was a brilliant chess player. I think he'd be great at chess. Seriously, you would never want to play chess with John. He can work right out seven moves down the road. And he worked this out already, you see. He's exactly, he's telling God, God, did he work this out? I, I know how you tick, and I knew exactly how this would happen. He continues, and now he spills, spills the this, this. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God. I know that you're slow to anger, and I know that you're abundant in loving kindness. I know you relent. I know you do. What or who is the direct object of, of Jonah's anger? Who? It's God. That's, it's shocking. Jonah isn't angry. Well, he's angry in his voice, but this isn't, this isn't the force of his anger. The force of his anger, this wrath that he's feeling, this hatred that, that he's expressing, is to no other than God. Jonah is mad with God and he's letting it all out. He's not even trying to hide it. And he's mad. And this is why he's mad. He's mad because of... The, uh, we just go through them quickly. He's mad because God's gracious. Okay? It's a Hebrew word here. It means hanun. It's hanun. It, means, it means exactly what it sounds like in English. If it sounds like anything to you. It means that God shows favor. Unreserved favor. He's mad with God because... because God is merciful. And the idea there is that God treats us like a mother treats a newborn child. Yeah. 
encounter. He's mad with God because he's slow to anger. It, it means that he can go a long, long time. Charlie can stamp his feet a hundred times, step on him, and somehow still remain unangry. He's mad with God because he's abundant in loving kindness. Okay, there's a Hebrew word that you may have heard. It, it, it's God's deepest, committed, covenantal love. And he's mad with God because he's the one who relents from doing harm. We looked at that word last God moved from one course of action to another. Not necessarily a bad to a good. We never said judging Nineveh, Nineveh was bad because it was justice. It means moving from one position to another. And Jonah is mad with God because of that. And here's why. You see, they're all qualities of God that Jonah revels in. He loves that. Uh, that God is gracious, merciful, loving kindness, slow to uh, anger. He relents. He loves that. His tribe loves that. They worship God because of that. It's his favorite qualities of God. But what he hates about God now, why does he hate that God for those attributes now? Why now? Because up to now he's loved them. Because? Because God. This is it. God is extending. I don't want to embarrass Graham. I'm assuming with, with the passing away with the, of your family member, we call that inheritance. God is giving away Jonah's inheritance to his enemy of all people. I mean, these are the things that belong to Jonah's family, Jonah's tribe. God's loving kindness. It's covenantal. Who is God in covenant with? He's not the Ninevites. Who's he in covenant with? He's in covenant with Jonah. And here he is showing covenantal blessings. And every Jew thought they earned them, didn't they? They thought that the Ten Commandments made them holy. They believe they earned them. Here's God. He's in To the most despicable people on the planet. No wonder that Jonah is mad. Seriously. And look, we've got a couple of friends in there. Newcastle, New South Wales. Lovely. I, don't know, I, don't know. I may send them this message because we love them. And I'm sure they won't be offended. They're only a couple, older couple, he's a lawyer. Look, we went and spent some time in the church a few years back. And I mentioned mangoes in my sermon. This is a hint for all you guys. Okay, I'm still waiting for the shirt. Okay, I, that was last week's hint. It doesn't work, Katie. But in this church, I mentioned mangoes and how much I love mangoes. Are you listening, Matt? I'm not kidding. That week, I opened my door one, one morning and there's a box of mangoes on the floor. I was like, <laughs> and it's amazing. I thought, wow, I know, I know. we love flowers. But when we left the country, because uh, this person knew that you know we, uh, I like dried fruit. Never, never guess what he did. This is no joke. I'm back in the UK now. I get a parcel in the mail. I had to trot all the way over, trot all the way over to the post office. And guess what? The post office in the UK in South Wales has got for me, which was sent from New South Wales. 
a bag of dry fruit. <laughs> yeah, Ross is a little different. But we love that about him. You know, I love Ross because he just had loads of time for me. And he would just talk to you, and he's wonderful to be around, and his wife is lovely. We used to hang out with them. I know other people in his church who thought he was a bit different, but I liked it because I was the beneficiary of all those wonderful traits. Mango, for example. But you know, one day we were out at the zoo, and then this chap, I think he was an Indian chap, if I remember right, just asked Ross something, and guess what happened? He spent the next two hours hanging out with this guy. Seriously. We don't want to walk. We're trying to have a chat with him. His wife was getting frustrated. We had left him in the end because he just, all he was interested in was this guy and he was being kind to him and nice to him and talking to him. He was doing all the stuff with this man that he used to do with me. You know how I felt? I was getting, getting quite upset. Seriously, he was winding me up. I thought I was special. Well, I wasn't. He obviously does this to anybody and everybody, doesn't he? Jonah isn't just upset because Ross, his God, is speaking with somebody else, showing him slight attention. God is doing to the Ninevites what they do not deserve. In the covenant, they're outside of God's promises, they're wicked. And Jonah is mad. And listen to him. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. You might think this is extreme, but it's not. Because this is how Jonah feels about the Ninevites. How do you think the Israelites feel about Ninevites? Hate them. They know. They know Jonah's gone. To the Ninevites, what has Jonah gone to the Ninevites to do? Yeah, to bring judgment. How is he going to go back? How is he going to ever go back? How is he going to face his neighbours? How is he going to face this humiliation? What's he going to say when he goes back with this? Let alone forgetting just going back. How is he going to make the journey back? With all that weight on his shoulder. How could God do that to me? How could he? Doesn't he care about us? Does God support evil? No, Jonah would rather be dead, which is real, than carry the weight and stench of this. And to have the humiliation of his pride. I was checking this with Charlie earlier, make sure I didn't step on the uh, feet of an American contingency here. Is the Vietnam War? I, I, I haven't checked this with Katie, have I? But look, America probably didn't win the Vietnam War. No, we didn't. Okay. Okay. There are, no one likes to admit that, but they didn't win the war. They had to get out after 20 years of this war, finally, because there was so much unrest in the country. Economical unrest. People were going crazy. Do you know the average age of all those people that died? The average age of a soldier in Vietnam, an American soldier, was just 19. Now, so when the soldiers went back, they 
were in these victory parades. Even back with humiliation, if we're honest. The might of America against the minnow like Vietnam. If, if what I said bothered you, you'd understand something of how Jonah felt, <laughs> wouldn't you? Jonah is carrying around great baggage. Therefore, now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. And so we can understand a little bit what made Jonah mad. You're going to think I'm, a, I'm just a crybaby, okay? Maybe I am. Nibel Qureshi. Oh, I was given his book. Someone mentioned his book to me when I was talking to someone about Jesus in, on some play park. It just happened he was a Christian. Um, and he mentioned his book. I went and picked it up. Oh, I fell in love with this guy. Hey, watch what book you give me. <laughs> I fell in love with this guy. Seriously. The most, you know, I can say, I can identify with him. And here is this guy working with, with people of my religious background and having a profound impact. He, was, he became my hero. This guy was brilliant. And I was thinking, wow, God. <laughs> with, with, with Nabil, you've really done it for us. This is, this is what this world needs. Wow. And then one day I was watching a YouTube video and I, and I thought at first, at first I thought it was some mockery. Seriously. I thought it was some joke. I was watching this YouTube video. Commemorate in the life of Nibel Qureshi. Really, I thought it was a joke. Until I discovered that he died at age 34. Of stomach cancer, I think. This man of God is a witness and an apologist. My hero! Okay? And, and, and the men he went up against, they're there still today. You can still see them today. You can still hear them today. They're still mocking us. But Nabil? How could God do that? What is God doing? I mean, what logic is in that? Doesn't God realize what people said after that? You know what they were saying? There! Ah! God's got him. See? That's what they were saying about him. You can, you can listen to them now. You can read them now. And I'm thinking, God, how could you? Boy. Boy, did that hurt. Ever been mad with God? Let me ask you, friends. Have you ever been disappointed with God? Ever been disappointed enough to want to die? I want you to be honest. Really, I want you to sit there for the next 10 minutes and please just be totally honest with yourself. Has God ever failed you? Has God ever stood by whilst you dug yourself deeper and deeper into trouble, into death? You embark on some venture, you pray about it. You do 
research, you plan, you organize, you seek counsel. But no sooner do you begin the journey, it all begins to go pear-shaped. It all falls apart. And before long, you've got it in your face. You're, 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 you're up to here in debt and misfortune and struggles. And you're saying, God, where did you go? You promised me, God, you would never leave me. You told me that whatever my hands, whatever I put my hands to, you know Psalm 1, have you ever read Psalm 1? Don't bother. Whatever he does prospers? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And you wonder, don't you, just beyond ourselves, how God can sit there when I'm a garbage. You know, he lived till he was 95. Destroying and robbing and abusing his people. 95! I got no hope of getting to 95. Seriously, if I made it to 75, I'd be happy. And yet, our lovely and beautiful neighbour, Doris, who wouldn't hurt a fly, the kindest lady you could ever meet, got cancer at 57 and is dead. How do you explain that, God? Where were you then? Hey, if we're honest, God lets us down. He doesn't intervene when he can. He doesn't show up when he could. He lets things carry on and all he has to do is say a word. We know that. What does he have to do? What did he do in the boat? When the storm was raging, all he did was stand up and say, hush. That's all he did. That's all he needs to do. And yet we, we face predicament after predicament Calamity after calamity, and God just never seems to do what He's meant to do as God. He doesn't do what we expected. In fact, you know what He does do? The thing that we feared He would do. You know, just let us stew in our trauma. Seriously, I'll be honest, it's true, isn't it? Are you angry with God? Are you disappointed with Him? Yeah. Yeah. More than once. Multiple times. So here's the thing. Here's the things. Let me ask you. At those times, maybe you don't want to know. What do you do with your feelings? What do you do with that? When you're feeling like that, for good reason, what do you do with that? What do you do with all that emotion, all that pent-up rage, all that misunderstanding, all those f- confusing questions when you're, when you're having to turn to apology because you want it if it's really there? What do you do with that? You can pretend not to be angry, can't you? You know when you say to somebody you know, who you've upset uh, and there's a respond. No, I'm not angry! You know they're angry, don't you? You can pretend that you're not angry, or you can do the other your car. This is the thing that's for me to say this. We would sell our macaw parrot that we loved, this huge bird, and you get so close to these things, and those things are. You get closer to the dog, 
they're like real affectionate creatures. But we had to give them away, it was becoming impossible. So we found this one couple, and then, and, and then we changed our minds, didn't we? <laughs> Before the handover. Because we just thought we can't do this. This is mean to them. Because those macaws are monogamous birds. They latch onto one person. I was his sweetheart. Okay? He will, he will, this is true. He will never get to of his Apparently, he is still waiting for me today to turn up. Seriously. Okay? Okay. And if we change our mind, we just don't do this. And this couple were really upset. You know what she said to me? So calm. Monta. I am angry with you. <laughs> and so we, we can express anger. <laughs> Don't bother me, I'm not changing my mind before you before it's done. Okay. We can be angry and pretend we're not in that way. You don't have to get angry and shout and pretend you're not angry. You can do it just as calmly. Um, and we always joke about that because it flies around in my head. <laughs> I am angry with you. I know we shouldn't do, but it was funny at the time. Okay, I told you you'd think less of me after I told you that. Hey, here's the thing. How do we deal with disappointment? Disappointments with God. Let me show you. Let me show you. It displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled... Previously, for I knew that you were a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from harm. Therefore, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. How do I read that? What am I saying to you? That's how you deal with You respond to That's how you say to him, I expected you to show up when I got myself. That's what you do when you're disappointed, devastated, let down, humiliated, in despair, confused. Tell him, if only you'd been here sooner, God. Remember to Jesus? If only sooner. And what did Jesus did Jesus beat up on her when she said that? No, 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 no. Look for it. If if we believe Timothy 316, 316 is brilliant through the Bible. All scripture is God breathed. Either God was asleep when Jonah did this bit in the Bible. Someone slipped his senses. Oh, John is dead. The minister is dead. He's dead now because he's up to God. Either that's the case, or God inspired Jonah to record exactly what took place here, right down to how he felt, even down to how he expressed his feeling, because God knows he will forever be misunderstood by you and me. Always, he knows that as a regular cause of our Christian life, because we don't see how he sees, because we don't share the quality, the sophistication of his logic. We 
how sophisticated and brilliant of his mind that can multitask billions of equations simultaneously, that can see the end of your life being this brilliant through this pain, because we don't get that, because we can't see that. God knows we need honest with him, in order to be in a true relationship, not one where dictators forcing you to follow him, but one where you love him suddenly, he needs to allow you to express how you feel. How you feel because you will, and you have, and you will again. I think Jonah is demonstrating to us two things. These are second do, maybe even tertiary applications the primary ones about people having favour to be hated. The secondary tertiary application is what we're doing now. John is telling us these two things, A, that our hopes in God will at time be dashed. He won't come through as we had hoped. Circumstances around us may fail us. The miracle may not happen. He will disappoint us. Jonah's telling us that. That's what, he's, that's what he's ministering to us. He's telling us these are the kind of things that will happen to you as a believer. And the second thing he's telling us in chapter 4, amidst other things, that God anger. That God won't zap you with a thunderbolt if you step out of line. That if you shake your puny fists at him, if you express ill feeling towards him, if you want out, dead than live under his reign if you honest with your feelings he's not going to topple his throat Jonas I think he would have known God better than me okay he knew that God was a holy 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 God he knew that God was a consuming fire. He knew that. He came after all those texts. Okay? He knew that God dwelt in unapproachable light. He knew what Isaiah said. This was on top of my head. Did that about the same time? I think he may have done. Okay, when, when Isaiah... When Isaiah said, holy, 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 he's the Lord God Almighty, and I was afraid to be near him, he knew all that. And yet, this guy, either he is stupid, he may be, He also knows that God, as awesome as he is, relates to fallen, created creatures with covenantal love. And what the thing about covenantal love is, and it's, it's, look, the summation of it is between a mom and a child. No matter how many times Henry says, Mom, I hate you. You'd hope he wouldn't say that, but if you keep nicking his candy, he may come round to doing that. Are you going to beat up on him? Are you going to disown him? Are you going to write him up? Are you going to sell him? Because you love him covenantally, eternally. I have loved you. I said this last week. This everlasting love. Hey, friends, God is not going to topple his throne. And you know the worst thing we can do with how we're feeling about God? The worst thing is to pretend it's not so. It's in the church. 
and oh yeah, me got a great big in your Christian Oh yeah, me got a great big insult. You're, you're bearing a grudge against him, for goodness sake. You, hold, you, you have never forgiven God. If you're honest, you've never forgiven him. And we walk around with these things. What do you think that does to your relationship to God? You bury a feeling. You bury it alive. Christian, be transparent. Be honest with it. He reads it like a book, eh? You know that Psalm 139. Uh, you know, don't turn to it. I'll just read it to you. Look at, look at what David says. Uh, if I can just find it. Psalm 139. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. He knows anyway. Tell him. Be honest with him. And ask him to deal with it in your walk with him. God, I'm angry with you. You've let me down. Please heal the wound. Ask him to deal with it. Get it sorted. Get God to heal it. Fix it. So you can move on with integrity in your relationship with him. I'm going to finish. Look, I'm going to have the time up. But I was going to mention David. Oh, David had episodes when he was mad with God. You find it throughout scripture. This isn't anything new. But in closing, let me just close. Christian, God's mapped out our life for you. But it's full of twists and darkness and misery and fear. For some Christians are paid for the persecution to death. mapped out lives like that for us and we will go through times many a times when we can end up resentful towards God because we cannot make sense of it it doesn't make any sense open your heart to him let him in Who knows how God will respond? He'll respond loving kindly. Maybe he'll give us just some insight. Sometimes he doesn't. Look at Job. Nicky keeps asking for Job. I may be moving on to Job in the near future. Look at Job. You know when you read the whole book of Job? Really keep reading it. You know what you read it? You know what you discover by the end? God never tells you why. Just talking about it. That's all we need. No way, it's not a hidden thing between us and God. It's real. And here's the truth. I'm going to leave you with this first. Because no matter what God is doing in your life, and this is one thing I want you to take away, two things. The first thing is, God is involved. I am not saying to you that God is outside of any single thing you've ever experienced in your life. He's not outside of any experience of your life. So don't be saying God wasn't involved in that. He was in, he's involved. He's somewhere within the circumference of every detail of your life. Romans 8. And therefore we know that 
will love him. It will call. Your pain makes sense to Go and it with candor, sincerity, and honesty. And then from there, walk with it. It's your best bet. You know one of the things Job said, we'll see when we, when we do Job? Though he slay me, do you know how it finishes? Though, thou, he, though, not thou, though, he do harm to me, will I praise him. Because we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Amen. Living Word Bible Church Teaching the Bible verse by verse